make mention of a few things just to be aware of for us as a church family. Uh, the first thing is that uh, I'll be leaving to Haiti this Friday for a pastor's conference. Yeah. Uh, praise God for that. And contrary to what uh, President Trump might think, um, Psalm 24.1 says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. That's what God's word says. And this includes the, the beautiful country of Haiti. So I'm going to be out there uh, ministering to um, a, a, a bunch of pastors there, equipping them with, with the word of God um, and partnering with them in what God is already doing there in Haiti. So I'm going to ask you to just uh, pray for me, pray for the team that will be going there. Uh, with these type of things, there's usually um, spiritual opposition that comes into play. Um, pray for our safety. Pray that we preach the word of God with great clarity and that people will leave encouraged. All right. So if you can um, pray for me, I'll be glad to handle it. The second thing I want to make mention is that today we conclude our series on prayer. And uh, we've titled this series, So We Pray. Why do we title this series, So We Pray? It's because... In our lives, especially at the beginning of the year, we have many plans, many things to do. But see, in, in, the, in the Bible, we see that, that prayer is not just a bailout plan, it's a starting point. So we often say, so we've done this series in order to cultivate an atmosphere of prayer. But also with that, uh, last week we started a seven-day church-wide fast. And uh, for many of us, uh, we fast with food, social media, just different things. And fasting pretty much is, is, is us denying ourselves of something that will allow us to put the focus on God for a breakthrough in our lives, for some direction in our lives, and for us to hunger after God uh, in this uh, 2018. Uh, so uh, today we're going to be um, looking at God's word, but I've also been encouraged by uh, just talking to many of you and seeing how God has answered prayer and has spoken to you, given you direction, um, and he has healed you in many instances. So we want to thank God for that, for what he's doing. And I pray that uh, this sermon will be encouraging to you. So if you could once again look at Colossians chapter 1, um, and we're going to be in verse 9 through 14. If you could stand for the reading of God's word. Spirit in his word says this, verse 9, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing, church family, can you say pleasing? fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened. Can you say strengthened? May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who qualifies you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He, that's God the Father has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son 
and when you have redemption or forgiveness of sins. Father God, we come to you, Lord, today as your servants. We come to you today as your people, eagerly awaiting what you would have to say to us through your word and the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we are weak. Father God, oftentimes we are so directionless. Lord, so today we're, I'm asking, Lord, for a divine intervention as we look to you in your word today. Lord, let the seed of your word fall on good soil on my brothers and sisters, on my family. God, and that we would be a billboard of your grace here on the northwest side of Chicago and throughout the world. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, so, if you've been here the past two Sundays, you probably noticed that the power is out in half of our building. That's why some of the lights are on, some of the lights are off. And uh, this past uh, week, I had two conversations, one with Brother G. Is Brother G in the building? Brother G right there. He really is a G. And I also had a conversation with, with Brother Eddie. He's going to be in the back over there talking about what exactly is going on. Why, why is it that half of the building is powered and the other half is not? Why, why is that? And Brother G and Brother Eddie, they, they started to explain to me why that was. And, and as they did some diagnostic study of this building and looking into the building, Brother G coming here throughout the week, going into the boiler room, checking things out. This is what he told me. He said, the city feeds the power to our building through a line. So there's a line that is connected to the city and it's underneath our building. And he said, and it comes up into our main fuse box. The fuse basically controls the electricity all around this building. And then he said, for a while we thought that it was just a mere fuse box. We thought the fuse box provided the energy, replaced just that. But then he realized that it was the actual line that needed to be replaced. city possesses the power and the city sets out to give us electricity but only that line is able to do that you see the problem in our lives oftentimes is that we have severed our line of communication with God we have a severed line and this line that God has offered us is called prayer. We don't pray enough. We don't pray the way that we should. If you're like me, even as I preach this, I'm like, man, Lord, I need to be praying more. But I'm not. You see, God possesses all the power and all the authority in heaven and on earth. That's the God that we serve. That's the God that we sang about. And we're called to be empowered to shine the light of Christ in this world as a church, but the only way that we can do this, my brothers and sisters, is if we pray. That line cannot be severed. So today, the Holy Spirit has a charge for us as a church, as we complete this fast. The Holy Spirit, through our word, through the word, 
has one charge, and it's this. You might want to write it down. Let's pray for God's will to be done in your life. Simple charge. Pray for God's will to be done in your life. See, oftentimes when we talk about God's will, uh, we're looking for, like, signs, right? It's like, you know, that one single brother, he's, you know, at Bible study, he's like, Lord, can I open up my eyes? And I see the first woman, that's, that's my wife. And then he realizes it's somebody he didn't take from the group. Right, we look, for, we look for signs. Sometimes we can be weird about these things. We want to see what God's will is for our lives. Or, or we say, man, Lord, this is what I'm going to do. God, I want to be more generous this year. I know you've called me to that. So the first uh, amount of money that comes out of my pocket is what I'm going to give to the brook for the mission. You take it out and it's like $100. Like, oh, Lord, Satan's a liar. <laughs> we look for signs. To see how God's will works out in our lives. And see, in this text, we're going to see two reasons why we should be praying for God's will to be done in our lives. Two reasons. And we're going to look at two ways that we can pray for God's will to be done in our lives. Follow me? So that's how we pray or why we pray for God's will to be done in our lives. Two ways. And how God's how we pray God's will to be done in our lives. So let's first look at the first two ways that God or the reasons that we could pray or should pray for God's will uh, in our lives. Reason number one is because the will of God is not a code to be cracked. It's truth to be applied. So the question is, what is God's will for our lives? Because if it's truth to be applied, then it, and it's not a code to be cracked, then we want to know what is God's will? What is the objective truth that we need to apply to our subjective circumstances? In the word, we see in this text that God rescued us from the kingdom of hell and made us reservations in heaven. That means that God has rescued us from our sin, from our predicament, and has put us in a new one, which is to be with him forever and ever. In verse 13, if you look at it, you read it with me, it says, He, that's God, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. It means that he carried us from danger to safety. He carried us from the prison of darkness to freedom. And in verse 14, he says this. He says, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In whom is the son, that's Jesus. So what he's saying is that the only way that this transfer could happen is through death. Because Jesus died on the cross. It's death. Because all of us, each and every one of us, we've all disobeyed God with our lives. We've chosen to live lives according to our will, not God's will. And oftentimes, we see the destruction in that. And if you're here today and you don't know who Jesus is, you might not feel the effects of that destruction 
But he did. And here it says, with Jesus, in Jesus we have redemption. See, and because we all disobeyed God, we all deserve to stay in the kingdom of darkness, in the kingdom of evil. We don't deserve to be rescued, church family. But Jesus, he paid the penalty on a cross, and as the text says, to forgive us of our sins. See that term redemption there, you see there you want to underline that. It's a key term. It means to fulfill the necessary requirements to make a purchase. Okay? So when my abuelita has a coupon for some platano, and it's on discount, and she gives the, the person at the check line, hey, here's the money, here's the coupon, I fulfilled the requirements to get these platanos, guess what happens? She gets those platanos for the good and pleasure of my soul and my tummy. She redeemed that. She possesses it because she fulfilled what was necessary to get it. And you see, through the cross of Jesus, through the death of Jesus, he paid what was necessary for us to be transferred from darkness into light. That's my God. That's my Savior. But you see, it doesn't just stay there. Because of what Jesus did, the text also tells us that we're qualified to be in heaven with the saints. The saints in the text is other believers who have gone before us, who have died and who have finished the race well, who have walked with God faithfully with great faith. It says they're in heaven with God forever, free of suffering, where God is with them in fullness and joy. The text in verse 12, after he says the Father, it says the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance. Can you say inheritance? Inheritance of the saints in the light. See, these, these verses illustrate the message of truth. This is God's will for his people. It's been unveiled in our lives. It's here. What is God's will for, your, for our lives? It's for us to be transferred from darkness into light by believing that Jesus died for our disobedience to God. That's the truth. That's what we call the gospel. And if you do not believe the gospel, if you do not believe that message for your life, then my brother, my sister, you have not been transferred into the light. You are still in the dark. But if you have, then you are God's prized possession with a glory that we can't even fathom. So that's the truth, because he said that, that the first reason why we should pray for God's will to be done in our lives is because it's not a code to crack, it's truth to be applied. That's the truth. But how does that apply to our lives? How does the message of truth 
connect to our personal circumstances. Because the truth is, we want to know specific things for our lives. What job should I, cha- should, should I chase after? How, who should I choose uh, for a spouse? How should I manage my money? We want to apply that truth, the gospel, to our lives, right? We don't want to be in the dark if you're like me. I don't want to live this life aimless. I want to know how this truth applies to my life in real time. I don't want it to just be some theory. And the first thing that we look at in verse 9, it says, or the second, or it says, and so from the day that we heard, that's when he heard that we, this church believed in Jesus, we had not ceased to pray for you. And then you want to underline this time, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Three times. How you apply it? By knowing God's will, knowing the message of truth, the gospel, and applying it with all spiritual wisdom and all spiritual understanding. To know it in this context means to have full confidence in that message of the gospel. That Jesus has transferred people from death to life. Having confidence in that. Knowing that message in and of itself. You got to know it. And then secondly, we apply it to our lives. Not only by knowing, but by judging how it relates to your present circumstances. You see, to judge properly, though, you need spiritual wisdom and understanding. Wisdom is good judging. It's not bad judging. Wisdom takes knowledge, it assesses knowledge, and makes a good judgment about a specific situation. Spiritual understanding is full comprehension of a present situation or present truth and seeing how those things come together. You follow me? So the way that we apply the truth of the gospel is by looking at what Jesus has done through his death and resurrection and assessing it according to our current circumstances, judging, man, how does the death and resurrection of Jesus make a difference here in my finances? If Jesus died and rose from the grave, and it says that I have an inheritance in glory with God forever, then should I really be budgeting just to make money so I could just relax myself and consume everything? Should I do that? Well, if we look at the text and we know our inheritance is in heaven, judging properly, comprehending our budget, comprehending how this affects everything, we say, man, I want to budget in such a way that I'm able to give of my time, able to give of my resources, able to build a legacy with the money that God has given me, because guess what? I'm not going to be here forever. You see, that's the truth of what Jesus did along with wisdom and understanding. You see, God gives us the freedom. He does. God gives us the freedom to make proper judgments. He works for us. We're not robots. Isn't that good news? I don't want to be a robot. We are free in God 
to make decisions as long as it is aligned and it's judged properly according to the will of God. See, so wisdom refers to having good judgment and understanding refers to having full comprehension. See, I thought about this. I thought about the city of London. I've never been to London. Always wanted to go. They say it's like one of the dopest cities ever to visit. But see, London has a complex transportation system. The system is not only massive, it's not only vast, but it crisscrosses. And some stops are close and other stops are really far apart. It's massive. It's huge. Nevertheless, the subway system is designed to get you to where you need to be, just like an intersect. In Chicago, uh, part of the reason why we have such a huge public transportation system, the CTA, is because we need to get to places in the most efficient way possible, and the same thing is true in London. However, the problem for many years was this, that commuters didn't have maps that laid out every stop on the subway system. So it was concentrated to central London. So they did not have the certainty to know where they were going because of incomplete maps. This is before cell phones. This is before GPS. So uh, they needed maps in those times until in 1931. In 1931, my boy, my man, Harry Beck, he's my man because when I was reading that, I was like, man, this is kind of cool. Harry Beck, he designed a map that covered every destination of each route and every stop in between. See, with this map, now commuters using it, they can be informed on where they were and where they were destined to be. Follow me? That way, if they knew where they were in life, their position and where they needed to be, they can make a proper assessment about which route to take. You see, that's truth. Where you're at and where God has called you to be applies. Choosing a route that best fits that destination. You see, but they couldn't do this without a map. They couldn't do this at that time without no GPS. So Henry Beck, he made this map in order for them to make this proper judgment. And you see, the mesh between God's truth, what God has done through Jesus, and how that applies to our life happens in prayer. The power of the Holy Spirit. You see, sometimes in the complex system of life, we don't know what the will of God is, right? God, what do you want me to do with my life? What do you want me to do with my 2018? Because we don't know how our final destination with God forever connects with what God has done in the past. So we need to know what Jesus has done. And we need to be in tune in prayer to make a solid judgment. And see, the spirit of God is the connection piece. The Spirit of God is the one who connects. He, he gives us proper judgment. He gives us discernment and understanding and wisdom. God uses people 
through the power of the Holy Spirit to pray with us so that we can know how God is calling us to apply what he has already revealed in his word. And he does this when we pray. That's why we need to pray. It's interesting to me is the disciples walked with Jesus for three years. They didn't ask Jesus, hey, uh, Jesus, can you teach me how to preach? Man, your parables are really dope. I really want to pursue those parables. Oh, Jesus, can you uh, teach me how to doggy? You know, like they didn't ask him that. They said, can you teach us how to pray? Because for Jesus, prayer was the battlefield. Ministry, what he did on earth, was the result of him in battle, in prayer. Applying the truth of what God has called him, called him to do. And it's the same thing for us. We apply the truth of God and proper judgment, wisdom, and understanding to our current situations when we pray. Church family, if we would just pray, then maybe we wouldn't make such foolish decisions. If we anchored our lives in prayer, perhaps we wouldn't live with so much regret and doubt. But the good news is that God is calling us strongly to pray. Because reason number one, the truth is that God's will is not a code to crack. It's truth to be applied. So that's the first reason. The second reason is because the will of God was meant to be exercised. And the purpose that we see of the will of God is outlined in verse 10. Look, look at God's word with me in verse 10. So he says, his prayer request is that they be filled with all knowledge and all spiritual under, under, or wisdom and understanding, verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord fully, Pleasing to him. That's the purpose. You, you got to highlight it. You want to highlight that. That's the purpose of praying in this way. What's the purpose? To walk. To exercise God's will in our lives. You could say to live it out in our lives. The question is, well, how do I exercise? How do I live this thing out? Well, in the text, God's word is so rich because it gives us four ways that we can exercise God's will in our lives. Look at verse 10 with me. He says, after fully pleasing him, he says, fully or bearing fruit in every good work. So he says, the way that we please God is by doing good deeds that bear fruit evil deeds in ancient times as it is today was an act of rebellion against God. Hate, envy, stubbornness, evil. It's a rebellion against God. He's saying the way that you exercise the will of God is by doing good deeds that bear fruit, that have a result that only God can produce. That's the way that we exercise God's will in our lives after we look at God's truth and make sound judgments about our present circumstances. 
Then he continues in verse 10. But the second way that we exercise living God's will in our lives. He says, and increasing in the knowledge of God. So what he's saying is progressing in the knowledge of God. So how do we exercise his will? We do good deeds that bear fruit and we progress in our knowledge of God or knowing who God is. It carries the idea of knowing God in relationship. See, because when you do God's will, you get to know God himself. Because it's God's plan, not your plan, not my plan, not my plan for your life, not Eric's plan for your life. It's God's plan for your life. Therefore, you get to know who God is. Thirdly, the way we exercise God's will is in verse 11. He says, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. You see, the third way that we exercise God's will in our lives is by depending on God's power in everything. Why? Because we are powerless apart from God's strength. Look, look at what the text says. It says, it says, may you be strengthened with all power according to whose might? You can say it louder. Whose might? His glorious might indicates we are weak. We are weak to fulfill God's will, so we need to depend on God. And we are weak, especially in foul pride. I know, church family, we, we suffer so much, especially in the labor court and in criminal justice system. You know, we constantly so many lost families being hurting and still walking with God. We're weak. And the only thing that has kept us, that brought us here today, is God's strength. Looking to God. You see, when we are anchored in the strength of God, we endure. We persist. We continue moving. We continue to walk. We don't stay stagnant. We depend on God because we are weak. In verse 12, it says, giving thanks to the Father. And then he gives the list that we looked at before about what the Father did in Jesus. So the way that we exercise God's will, the fourth way is by giving joyful thanks for what God has done for you already in Jesus. Namely, him resting in what God has done. You see, one of the tactics of Satan when we are in deep trials and sufferings and we're trying to find direction for our lives in 2018 is to make us forget our position in life and where we're going in See, but when we're thankful to God for what he's done in Jesus for us, what happens is we have a Bible study this coming Sunday. You show him that your position is secure. That no matter what happens in this life, 
You know where you're going, and therefore you have all the resources to apply God's truth to your present circumstances. So family, as a Christian, because when we serve God, exercising his spirit for our lives, we're reminded about who we serve. Because who gets the last word here? Not Satan, not our suffering, not no disease. God, and you believe that it's him, you serve. Last year, I approached Brother Lou. He's he's in heaven with his brother now in the administration. Brother Lou in the back over there. You look at him, he's he's not that much bigger than me, um, but he's still bigger than me. He's just, he's, he's tough. Um, in, in all seriousness, last year I was I was pretty pretty uh, pretty overweight. For any of you who know me, I mean I was I was I was pretty um, obese and and unhealthy. So I approached Brother Lou and I said, "Hey, Brother Lou, um, you seem like an extremely healthy dude. Um, I want to like shed some pounds and I want to uh, be able to bulk up a little bit. You think you think you can help me out?" And and Brother Lou was like, man, of course, yeah, I'll help you out, man. Um, let me tell you the plan. So he, he tells me the plan, and, and he's like, you go to sleep no later than 9 p.m. Be at the gym at 4 a.m. and do the exercises that I prescribe. I'm paraphrasing. Now, as I'm, like, hearing this plan, I'm like, what did I just get myself into? Um, I, uh, it's hard for me to fall asleep past, like, 10 Man, Lord, I, I don't know. What did I get myself into? But there were two things that I needed to do to obey Lou's exercise plan. See, because I wanted results. I wanted to lose weight. I wanted to shed a little bit. I wanted to bulk up. I wanted to develop my body somewhere. I wanted to be healthy. See, I needed a capability of following the plan and the exercises. And I needed the desire to implement the plan. No capability, no desire, then I can't exercise and get the results that I wanted to see. I couldn't do it. If I possessed the capability along with the desire, I knew that I could potentially bring forth the results that pleased Brother Lou, which were many. As a matter of fact, there were a couple times where, like, I would be eating, like, a, a pancake somewhere, like, in the car. It would, like, be weird. Like, I'd be at the park eating pancakes. Like, I don't know why. Cheating on my diet. And randomly, Brother Lou would, like, pop up on me and be like, yo, what are you doing? I was like, man, I got caught. I lack desire. Lord, I don't know if I have capability for this. I'm on my knees, please. I want to please you and please Brother Lou. See, we cannot bring results that please God unless we have the desire and capability to please him and him alone. You see, I could do good works, I could do good things, but it might not necessarily bear fruit, bear the fruit that God calls me to. I can progress in my knowledge of God. I can go to seminary. I can go to real community. I can get into Bible study. I can learn all this knowledge about God, yet not know God himself. 
You see, it's easy to be dependent upon God when I lack, but it's difficult to depend on God when I have plenty, when my money is on point, when I'm striving, working that budget. It's, 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 it's easy to fall away from God and act like I'm secure in this. I'm secure because I got this job. It's easy for me not to depend on God in those moments. It's easy to thank God when things are going well. But it's hard for a family to thank God for what he's done. And things are going completely backwards. See, we don't have the will. We don't have the capability to do God's work in our lives. So how are we going to do it? How are we going to do God's will, if we lack what is necessary, which is capability and desire. The only way to exercise the will of God in any circumstance is by having the capability that you learn from Jesus himself. So when you believe in Jesus, when you believe that Jesus died for your sins and died for my sins, What God does is he gives you his Holy Spirit to live inside of you, to dwell in you, to take residency in your life. And he gives you the desire because apart from the Holy Spirit living in you, church family, you will follow your own desires because you are a natural man and woman. We need a supernatural intervention. We need supernatural desire. We need supernatural capability. We cannot do this unless the Spirit of God lives inside of us. We can't. I'm telling you, I've tried. I fold every single time. I cannot do it apart from the Spirit of God. You cannot do it apart from God's intervention. And the way that this is developed and cultivated, Two reasons why we should pray for God's will to be done in our lives. One, because it's not a culture crack. It's truth to be applied. And two, because we are meant to exercise God's will in such a way that brings forth the results that please God. You can't please God on your own. God needs to get you to work in you in order for him to be pleased. Those are the two reasons. Today, though, we also have two ways that we can pray this prayer into existence. We have two prayer requests that we could pray in order to bring God's will in our lives, to bring it forth in our lives. First one we want to pray about is pray that God would give you sound judgment as you make decisions. Now, I know that's hard because we live in such a fast-paced society. We want answers right now, God. Give me these answers now. And we make foolish decisions oftentimes because we don't take time to pray, to reflect, to write, 
to look at the outcome, see where this leads me. And we pray. We can pray for sound judgment. And the Holy Spirit, through his word, he speaks to us. He directs us. He guides us. That's first. Secondly, I believe that God, the Holy Spirit, is leading us to pray that God would produce the results that please him. See, we can only exercise God's word. We can be obedient to God's word, but only God can bear the results. You follow me? Let God handle the width. You handle the depth of your prayer life. Let God handle where decisions take you, but you spend some time in prayer and asking God to reap some fruit from your life from your decisions that ultimately please him and make him known here on earth. So the two charges, pray that God the Holy Spirit would give you sound judgment. And two, pray that God would bring much fruit in your prayer life Early to mid 90s, there was a group of guys in the northeast of Philly, New York, um, Chicago. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but geographically speaking. Um, these guys, they, they noticed uh, that in many urban cities in the U.S., there was, there was a, a, a lack of, of young black and Latino men who, who knew who Jesus was and was ashamed about what he came to do. But these men, they, 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 they realized that uh, they were in, infiltrated in hip-hop culture. They were immersed in hip-hop culture themselves. And they realized that in urban cities at that time, like it is now, hip-hop culture was extremely prominent. So hip-hop culture oftentimes wasn't relating in a way, or at least in a way that they thought was best, the gospel that these people needed. There was a need. These brothers, they saw an opportunity to use uh, their talents, use uh, their gifts to rap, to bring the gospel to settings that were void of Jesus. What's the first thing that they did? You guessed it. They prayed. They prayed specifically that God's will would shine his light through them and that God's will would be done in their lives. They got together. They prayed individually that God would ignite a movement. They prayed together that God would ignite a movement of people throughout the U.S. and beyond that represented God here on earth in cities, in places that were void of Jesus. As, the, as they prayed, they began to think about the best way to reach uh, these communities. What, what, what is the best way, God? We know what you've done in your son. We know that we're called to make you known. We're known that we're meant to shine your light here on earth. But how do we do this specifically? How do we, how do we reach people with this? So looking at God's word, which contains his will, that's the truth, they named themselves the Crossroads. And they made sound judgments through prayer and started a record label. They started to reach a wide audience 
to produce quality music for that time. And it was amazing the way they built a business in order to reach communities. But they did it through prayer, knowing God's truth, and making sound judgments about the best way to reach people. You see, the question for me is, did God accomplish his good through their prayers? Their prayers was that God's light would shine in dark places, in places that were void of him but were immersed in hip-hop culture, that got their point of view on things from hip-hop. So I wonder, like, man, this, th- did this really work? I mean, they prayed this years ago. They're now no longer a group. Like, what, what benefit have they had or reaped? Well, ironically, I, I not coincidentally, actually, I, I, uh, I was at a conference recently, and I ran into one of the, the group members. His name was um, Basil. Not really well known anymore. Um, he was just walking through, and I just ran into him, and I just told him, I said, hey, man, I just want to say, I, I want to say thank you, man. Thank you for uh, your faithfulness. Uh, man, you know, as a kid, I, I used to listen to some of your music when I became a, a believer. And uh, now, man, I'm, I'm church planting with, with you guys. And uh, we, were, we were inspired by your music. And he told me, he was like, you know what, man? I probably never sold so many records. And I never, um, I, I don't have fans. And I'm cool with that. Because this is what I pray for. This is what we pray for. A couple years ago at a conference called The Legacy here um, in Chicago, uh, they were honored for their faithfulness. And the crazy thing about it is that there were a movement of us, many of us who weren't necessarily rapping or, or, you know, trying to be managers in the music industry. We were a group of people who were unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ shining his light in urban cities that were void of the gospel. And it started because they prayed God's will into life. They made sound judgments about God's will. And many of you perhaps have been impacted by their ministry and their music and see some benefit in your life right now. What do we see there? We see prayer that brings together God's truth, applying it to their circumstances, and God bearing fruit, bearing a movement of people that will shine his light in such a way that pleases him the most. But it has to be personal. See, we're called to be a selected people, right? And if we're going to change the world, going to turn it upside down. And I believe that God is calling you and calling me, calling our church to turn this neighborhood, this city, this world upside down for God's glory, to let his light shine in the darkness. I believe that that's what God has called us to. And if we're going to do that, then church family, this year we need to be guided by prayer. Because that is
possibile non avvicinarvi Oftentimes we just live this life so confused and we don't perhaps blame the youth or the way that our, lo- our lives are turned out. But I'm sure there are many things that in this room that have been broken in this room. And like I said, we need to know your will for our lives. We do. I pray that today, Lord, as the word was preached, that you would give us direction, that you would give us the desire to seek your face, Lord, that we would be transformed in 2018, that this year would not be like any other year, God, but that we would look ahead because our Savior has purchased us and called us to a destiny with him forevermore in the forms of presence. Father, we pray all of this in the name of Jesus, our Father's